10 weeks into the NFL season. Do we have any clarity? Do we echoes like? Let's get into it. The full 10 yards NFL podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14 yard NFL podcast. I think I said last week, fellas, if you like nine weeks into the NFL season and going 500 in Pickhams, it's a fairly obvious state of affairs that things aren't quite as uh, they seem week to week in the NFL. I think if anyone went 500 in Pickhams this week, they're probably celebrating because it's another bonkers, bonkers week. Let's get into it. Let's bring the boys in. Steve, how you doing, buddy? Somehow, it's week 10, and usually as the game's gone, you start to get more idea of what's happening in the NFL and how the playoff picture's going to going to play out and somehow it's going the opposite way as the weeks go on where I get to play out so I really don't have a clue what's happening I don't know what the situation is in the NFL and I would like someone to explain it for me please well hopefully hopefully between me and Josh and yourself we might make a bit of sense of it by the end of the evening but I doubt it but we'll try Josh welcome in but you up for the challenge of trying to make sense of this lot well, put it this way. You say that anyone that went 500 this week in Pickham should be celebrating. I am one of those lucky few. I went seven and seven. So, um, you know, I'm I'm sitting pretty. And uh, yeah, I think I can make just about enough sense of this. I did, how, however, spend my entire lunch break on my power ranking today. That's how difficult it is to actually make any <laughs> sense of where these teams should be. If, if you're between eighth and 24th, you could go anywhere, honestly. It, it's now just <laughs> officially ridiculous. I hate the fact that I volunteered for this. In fact, I enthusiastically volunteered for it, and it has been nothing but hell this year. You've done a stellar job, my friend. You've done a stellar, stellar job. They'll be uh, up on the website as usual shortly, but let's break it all down first and foremost, fellas. Let's start talking about some of the games that we did see on Sunday. Uh, we were kind of optimistic for a bit of an offensive shootout between the Packers and the Seahawks with the two superstar quarterbacks returning to the field. Didn't necessarily work out that way, though. Steve ends up as a 17 to nothing victory for the Packers, so obviously quite dominant on the scoreboard. Um, but to be honest, it just really confirms, I suppose, where the balance of power is in that NFC at the minute. The Seahawks really looking a shadow of them for themselves. The Packers probably the strongest team in that conference on current form. Yeah, I think so. I think um, when I looked at the score at uh, start of the third quarter and it was three zip to Green Bay, that sort of gives you all you need to know about what this game was. Um, and I think it was a bit of a, a battle in terms of the defences. And um, Green Bay are starting to establish themselves again after all the off-field stuff with Rodgers as, you know, probably the, the best team in the NFC right now. Um, you know, there's a couple of others at the top that are starting to falter a little bit. A lot of others lost this week, so it was a really good week for Green Bay in terms of rankings. Um, and they just look they just look really confident right now. That defense is moving. Um, that defense is really putting on a show at the moment. And and I, I think they're probably the number one unit in the league at the moment. Um, I don't really know who else 
challenges them right now. Um, they're, they're playing um, really good football. And they're just they're just winning football games. Like they might not be doing it pretty. They might not be blowing out teams like you know like the Bills have, have done occasionally, like the Cardinals have put up big points. They're just getting wins. They're just efficient in what they do. Um, the Seahawks, on the other hand, like you said, absolute shadow of themselves at the moment. I, I don't really know where their season goes from here. You'd expect. I know it's his first game back from a from a throwing hand injury, but you'd expect Russ to be a bit better than what he was. Um, 20 for 40 is line red, 161 passing yards. That's unlike Russell Wilson. No no touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, just didn't look himself. And I know um, DK Metcalf was ejected, I know, uh, although he tried to come back in the game, which was <laughs> hilarious. Um, he was ejected. So obviously losing a target like that is is big. But yeah, not not putting up a single point. And a friend of mine is a Seattle fan and asked him for sort of his take. And um, apparently that's... Um, Wilson's first ever shutout at home, um, which is which is big. Obviously, you, you know you'd, you'd expect Russell Wilson to score points every week. Um, he said that perhaps Russell Russ can't cook, and something's got to give mm-hmm. at the end of the season. And uh, he said actually, strangely, that um, maybe maybe this might be time for Pete Carroll. Um, and I think we'll, obviously we'll come onto it later on. But I think Pete Carroll will certainly be a candidate in the hot seat. At, you know, a, a lot of people put this uh, early season slump down to to um, you know, a, a tough schedule and losing a couple of close games. But now, actually, the Seattle Seahawks, are they just a bad team this year? Are they just a bad team? I think it's certainly an accusation you can throw at them. Um, Josh, let's get your take on it. I think in terms of, um, you know, this game, AJ Dillon seems to be an emerging talent and weapon in this Green Bay offense. Um, you know, he seems to have taken on a much, much bigger role. Obviously, as expected with Rogers back, Devontae Adams sees an uptick in targets and receptions and all the rest of it. Um, but particularly on that defensive side of the ball, as Steve said, you know, this is a team that really have gone to town in recent weeks. You know, it's it's a it's a unit that doesn't necessarily have a standout superstar, you know, in terms of a, a name that would be instantly recognisable to the casual fan. But collectively as a unit, I mean, this has been a string of impressive performances, hasn't it? And uh, just get your take on where both of these teams are. Well, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams would probably disagree with you on the whole star name thing, but... Uh... Yeah, I think Defen- re- defensively, my friend. Oh, defensively. Ah, oh, I forgot that major word. I do apologise, <laughs> Sean. Please accept my apologies. It's been a long day, mate. It's been a long day. Um, yeah, I mean, defensively, they definitely did their job. I think that Seattle's offense is a little too one-sided, and we'll come on to other games of which have seen one-sided game plans and then being picked apart. I just don't think that Russell Wilson should have even started this week. I know his ha- he was cleared by the doctors, but if you look at the weather and all the other ailments of which were um, you know, going against a quarterback whose hand has just recovered from having a pin in it and all the rest of it, it just, it just screamed, don't do it, really. And the scoreline really flattered them. The fact, that, the fact that it was 3-0 until the fourth quarter was... More on the side of both the weather in terms of stopping Crosby from actually hitting a field goal and uh, also just dumb luck. Green Bay ended up with 400 total yards, just shy of 400 total yards, um, 287 in the air and 106 on the ground. You know, that's a standard day out for Green Bay. Points aside, this was a, you know, this was just a complete performance by Green Bay. Um Seattle, are they now just an average team? I Personally, I think they are. 
Um, I, you know, Russell Wilson is one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league. DK Metcalf is probably one of the greatest wide receivers in the league, but their defense is terrible. They don't have a running game. And to be honest with you, I fully expected Green Bay to go out there and do this. It was not anywhere near as close on paper as some people said. So, um, yeah, Green Bay's defense did really well, but by the same token, I just don't think it was ever going to be Seattle's day. I think I'll just quickly tack on there as well to add to the Green Bay's defense conversation. They are currently third in the league for average yards allowed in a game of 309.9. And they're doing all of that without Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith, who are two of their linchpins on that defense. So the fact that they're doing all of that without those two players is astonishing. You know, they've got some players that are really stepping up. Um, It's Eric Stokes, the the rookie uh, cornerback they've got. I saw some of the, some of the sort of, um, uh, coverage that he was providing and he's just he's just such a good player they've picked up a real good talent there i know we all complain that they never give aaron Rodgers any help but maybe this is giving aaron Rodgers help because if if the offense if the if the defense isn't allowing any points then he doesn't have to score as many himself so you know um yeah this green bit packers team rolls on and uh i think the i think there are changes looming in seattle regardless of how this season ends i would be shocked if it is both pete carroll and russell wilson back next season i think one of them goes speaking of i just want to pick up sorry sean i've, I've realized i've stopped you just as you were about to get your, your off. i just wanted to um come to a couple of points that's being made on uh on on the live chat at the moment just because i feel like they should be addressed whilst we're talking about them so adam murphy here surely with this roster the blame has to be laid at carol's door you can't blame the gm the roster is loaded apart from jamal adams you know we're where really on defense do you really see any big big names? I can't I can't think of any off the top of my head. And then when you look at the offense, Bobby Wagner, that's probably about right. Bobby about, Wagner, yeah. yeah. But you know, two men cannot a defense make. And then also, if you look at the offensive side, you got the wide receivers, but you haven't got a running game. We've, I mean, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Like, you know, when Russ, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are all playing well, Seattle plays well and they uh, generally rely on those three to spark them into life. But if you take one of those out of it, if one of them is not playing too well or if one of them doesn't have a great, you know, game, then this Seattle team falls apart. And at the moment, I think they're just a bit too one-dimensional. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is. And I, I, I think that we are heading toward... A, a an exit of one of these you know russ's russ's status in in seattle has been up for grabs for a while you know there's been talk of people wanting to trade for him um and i think there's there's certainly teams around the around the league that would snap seattle's hand off for him as well you know if, if deshaun watson can go for three first then what can russell wilson go for he's won a super bowl so you know i think and 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 Lords knows Seattle could use the draft capital to be able to start replenishing that roster and 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 sort of you know move on. So yeah, I think um, this is going to be a down year for Seattle. Uh, I know I predicted them to to reach the playoffs last week, but all of a sudden, <laughs> I mean, throw all, all of that sudden, out, throw all that out. That's already gone. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, long season ahead for Seattle, I think. Yeah, I'm sure we'll all be changing our playoff predictions throughout the course of the uh, next 60 minutes or so, fellas, after this weekend. Um, Let's move on then to another one of... um the teams in that division and it was Monday night football. Well, two teams in the Seahawks division, obviously, because it was a divisional game between the 49ers and the Rams. Most people probably thought the Rams would win this one. I certainly thought the Rams would win this one, but Steve, I know you've got a little stat to share with us in terms of it. Maybe not being necessarily as much of a surprise as we first thought. 
Yeah, believe it or not, um, the uh, the San Francisco 49ers have now beaten the Rams five straight occasions. Um, so that's quite an impressive record, especially for a San Francisco team that have won, that are coming into this game had won one of their last 12 at home, which must have been last season against the Rams. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's a great start for San Francisco. And this, I just don't know where this performance came from. Uh, you know, San Francisco for this season have just been so like hot and cold and, and, and I just didn't really expect this. And I, and I wonder if this is more about um, more about LA being sort of subpar than it was San Francisco being excellent. But I will certainly sort of give credit where credit's due. Their defense looks, looks pretty tight, looked pretty good. Um, uh, it was Jimmy Ward who had, who had two interceptions. Um, he, he was, he was excellent. Absolutely superb. Um, and also Debo Samuel on the offense, he had himself a day. Um, you yes, know, he, he continues did. to, he continues to make his claim for the comeback player of the year. Um, so, uh, you know, he had himself a day and Jimmy G was just efficient. He didn't throw the ball all that much. 15 of 19, 182 yards, two touchdowns, just efficient. Just, you just got the job done. And, and that's probably what you want in a, in a Shanahan offense. And, and just, I'm sure I'll let Josh come in first. Cause I, I do want to discuss the Rams, but there's a lot of interesting stats around the Rams at the moment that are probably going underappreciated. Um, but I'm sure we'll come on to them in a second. Yeah, so um, I think that this played out very similarly to the Titans game last week where the Rams would just have a blip on offense and the other team takes advantage. So the first three drives of the game, gents, interception, touchdown, interception, pick six. You know, 14-0 straight up and you're in disarray right from the start. And the 49ers, like you say, Steve, they were just efficient. They just kept on moving the chains, not doing anything flashy. You know, none none of their rushes got over 100 yards. They mixed in different people and just kept on moving the chains. It's all they had to do, and they did it well. And the defense stood up when it had to. Um, I think that LA tried to get a bit too flashy on offense, especially early. Um, Not going to say anything just yet, but, uh, you know... I, when you see the first interception, you just sort of nod your head and go, yep, kind of expected that as soon as you launch that down the field. Uh, they kind of got away from themselves. Um, you know, Cooper Cup started the game. I think that when Matthew Stafford went back to Cooper Cup and to his more trusted receivers, things started to gel back into place, but the damage was done realistically. They were always playing catch up and it just ended up being too much in the end for them. Yeah, I mean, a quick a quick bit of praise for Cooper Cup. He's having himself an incredible season. He's the first player since Calvin Johnson to have ten receiving touchdowns in the first eight games of a season. So you know he's having he's having a a, a hell of a season himself. Um, but I think with the Rams, I think that one of the one of the big things that I've noticed, um, and you certainly see from their from their schedule and, and who they've played so far. Yeah, I I don't know who they've beaten that you could say, wow, that was a statement victory. Like I put, I put a stat in our in our group earlier to, to refer back to. Um, so um, when it comes to it, uh, when you look at the Rams' record, their team, their record against winning teams, well, teams with a winning record this year so far is one and two. The combined record of the opponents they have in their seven wins against is twenty-one, forty-two, and one. So the teams that they've beaten so far are largely teams that you would have expected them to beat. 
you know, the Bears, the Colts, the Seahawks, the Giants, the Lions, the Texans. They're all teams that you would have expected them to beat. The only sort of statement when they've really had was the Bucks, but then the Bucks lost to the football team. So let's not even get into that just yet. Like, they lose against the Titans. They lose a tough game against the 49ers. Where do they go next week? They go to Lambeau. I do not see the Rams coming out of Lambeau with a win. And funnily enough, since the Rams posted that tweet of them saying we're all in with John Malkovich emptying the chips on the table, they are 0-2. What is it with teams posting things on social media and cursing themselves? Do we need to talk about the OBG, OBJ boat picture again? Just stop it. Stop it. There is going to come a day when teams and players are just banned from social media, isn't there? It's going to be more trouble than it's worth. Let's touch on the other team in that division then, Feathers, just to finish off the initial conversations and the Cardinals 10, the Panthers 34. I mean, again, 34 to the Panthers. I mean, no one probably saw again this result coming. Let's obviously put it in context. It's not the Cardinals in terms of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, but even so, they, you know, they sort of handily took care of business the week before. Um, obviously, Carolina so much focus and attention is going to go to the return of Cam Newton. I don't want to be I'm another back. podcast that does that because, I'm quite back. frankly, yeah, quite frankly, um, it was probably always set up to work that way. Um, but you know, we'll wait and see. I think there's rumours that he's going to get most of the practice reps this week. So if he starts next week and he wins, fair enough. But um, you know, he was obviously used in a gadget sort of way this week and, and obviously did what he's he's good at doing. But obviously, it was PJ Walker that took the, the majority of the snaps. Um, for the Cardinals, is this just a case, fellas, of, you know, just forget about this one and move on as quickly as they can to the next and get the um, get the star power back? Josh? Absol- yeah, absolutely. Um, th- this game was dead by the first quarter. This game was dead by the first drive, pretty much. Um, they just couldn't get anything going. But, you know, when you actually break it down, I, I love it when you look at the drives because it just it does tell you the story. You know, first quarter, fumble, then Carolina touchdown. Turnover on downs for Carolina after only getting three yards. Then a touchdown for Carolina. Interception, field goal, punt, field goal. That takes you into the start of the second quarter. You know, they they couldn't do anything. They kept giving Carolina short yardage situations. You know, if you're going to, you know, Carolina's offense is no great shakes. You know, they, they almost didn't score on the first couple that they, they were down on. Um, but because of the fact that they gave them so little to have to attain, you know, they got it done and they looked incredibly competent. But, you know, it could have been so different if they just got out of their own half. You know, just retain the ball, play a bit of um, play a bit of territory. But uh, fair play to the Carolina Panthers defense once again. They're proving that they're one of the best defenses in the uh, in the National Football League at the moment, and will probably retain that for the rest of the year. It's going to be a case of whether or not the offense does enough. Realistically, not every team is going to be giving up that. Not every team is going to be starting Colt McCoy. So. You know, it, yeah. it's one of them. They're just going to have to shake it off. Is Murray back next week? I was I'm not just sure. looking at the injuries yeah, at the I'm moment. Not, I'm not sure it's, not sure it's yeah, been I thought I might have been just a minute just... too fast on that one, so I will add in a bit of filler. Um, if Kyler Murray is indeed <laughs> back, then, this, then you know, they, they're not going to have these issues again because he can make something out of nothing. It does go to show, though, that they need him. 
Oh, most definitely, most yeah. definitely. Let's um, let's focus on the Carolina side of the ball, Steve, if we can. Then we'll we'll just sort of chalk this up to a bad one for Arizona, yeah. unless you want to make any specific points, mate. But <laughs> just in terms of Carolina, let's assume that it's now Cam Newton's team, um, because that seems to be the way that it's trended in terms of, like I say, the practice reps go in there with the intention of him potentially starting. I mean, Josh has just said the offense is now great shakes, but to be fair, I thought Christian McCaffrey looked as good as he has done all season. You know, he was averaging over seven yards a carry on the weekend. They've obviously got the tandem out wide, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And as Murph has lovely pointed out, it's actually difficult to tell Cam Newton and Robbie Anderson <laughs> apart these days. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they've got some weapons there, haven't they? So, you know, with that defense, you know, this isn't necessarily a team that's going to have to score 30 points a week to win games. How far do you reckon the Panthers could potentially go? I know Josh hasn't been convinced all year, but, you know, obviously, does Cam give them that spark to actually sort of push them into the next level? I mean, I think the, the frustrating thing for Panthers fans and uh, um, all season has been that they just don't have an, the answer at quarterback, and actually their team is better than the production they were getting from Sam Darnold. You plug in Cam Newton. Now, I'm not saying that Cam Newton's the, you know, the savior, and you know, he's, I still think he's still a decent quarterback. I don't think he's necessarily sort of you know top 15 standard or anything like that. But he's still, you know, I think he's an upgrade on on uh, Darnold. You plug someone in, and all of a sudden, weapons like Robbie Anderson, like DJ Moore, like. The, the one-two punch of McCaffrey and Hubbard is excellent because they're both gadget guys. They're both guys that can be, you know, um, you can pass to them in the backfield, but then you can mm-hmm. you can also hand the ball off and they can run with it. You know, Chuba Hubbard did a did a great job of filling in for McCaffrey whilst he's been he's had his stints on the IR. So this Panthers team has weapons. They've always had weapons. They just need someone to get the ball to them. Um, so I think that you know, whisper it quietly, but I think this this Panthers team could be in for a pretty decent end to the season. You know, I think that, that they're five hundred now. They're five and five. They they've um they've already won a couple of of, of sort of um pretty decent performances. Um, and I think you look at where they could go from here. The the next game is against Washington, or obviously Boyd from that win against the Bucks. And then they've got the Dolphins and the Falcons, like three very winnable games for the Panthers. And all of a sudden, you know, if they win two of those. You know, you move to seven and six, and, and you're definitely in the conversation for the playoffs, especially in the NFC, NFC as well. Um, so I'd say, yeah, absolutely. This, this Panthers team have, have definitely sort of come alive, and it'd be interesting to see how Newton slots back into this offense, and 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 especially if he does, if Newton gets them to the playoffs, do they sign him? Do they sign him Ooh. next season? Interesting. Well, can well, the, the, can, can we on. just for one second just apply the brakes a little bit? on the Cam no. Newton stuff. No. Just apply the brakes just a little bit. No. He was used as a gadget RPO player in the game. Let's have a look at last season. He was awful for the Patriots. It's it just just ease into it, talking about winning two out of the next three. Let's see if he actually can perform for a whole game under centre first, yeah? Just, just remember just a this, little season applying is, the this season is all about chaos. That's what the season's all yeah. about. Look, I know that the spirit of Dave Moore runs through us, but still, you know, <laughs> let, let, let's not think that Cam Newton's about to go on a Super Bowl run, yeah? Well, Josh, if you haven't learned that you can instantly make decisions based on one week of action in the NFL season of 2021, then I don't know what you've been watching, my friend. It, it's, it's You're talking like to the guy that does the power rankings, mate. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Let's speed it up a bit then, fellas. There's quite a few blowouts, so let's go through a few of these. Um, Jets 17, the Bills 45. Uh, cakewalk, wasn't it, for the Bills? Any, any comments on that from either of you? Just a case of it being back for Buffalo. You know, it was just 
good for them to actually get things firing again. Yeah, they're putting up. They either put up forty points or three points. Apparently, that's the that's the Buffalo way. <laughs> Let's hope for their side. They uh, did the latter a bit more often. Another team that put up forty odd, the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, we said the Falcons train was moving, but very slowly. We move very quickly into reverse this week. Forty three to three. Um, yeah, back uh, back to business for Dallas, and dare I say, back to normal for Atlanta. Or is that a bit harsh? No, you're on the money. Yeah, I think it's a statement comeback win for Dallas and back to where they probably belong at the moment. Fair enough. Uh, Eagles 30, Broncos 13. Um, Maddening again from the Broncos. A couple of good results and then an absolute stinker. Steve, obviously over to you, my friend. 30-13, you must have been happy with this one. Do you know what? That is the best performance I've seen from Jalen Hurts so far. He was excellent. Mm. And this running game is complementing so well. The Eagles are the top rushing team in the last three games in the NFL. They've got something like 680 yards over the last three games. So they are moving the ball well. Um, yeah, and Jalen Hurts looked poised. Devonta Smith had another game. The catch, mm. the touchdown was unreal. Um, so, yeah, it's really exciting to see, uh, see those weapons lining up. But the defense actually played well. I couldn't believe it. And the Darius Slay scoop and score, if you haven't seen it yet, just watch Teddy Bridgewater's attempt to try and tackle him. It is shocking. So, oh, I mean, I mean that, 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 that's the non-tackle that's been heard around the world I over mean, the last couple of days. I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm all I'm all for like protecting your franchise quarterback. Don't try and tackle a guy and then get yourself injured. But at least make a make an attempt. Like, come on. So yeah, it really interesting, exciting performance from the Eagles, and they host the Saints next year. The Eagles are four and zero on the road. They are they are unbeaten on the road, but yet they are them they haven't haven't won at home yet. They haven't won at home. So there you go. The due one then, mate. They are due one. Get that in your pickums this week. And let's go through a few more. 23-17, the Colts over the Jags. Ended up being closer than it probably wanted to be. But I suppose, all joking aside, Josh, all that matters at the minute is getting victories. And, uh, you know, by hook or by crook, the Colts managed to pull this one out. Yeah, realistically, that 17 was garbage time, I think. I think the Jags got one late. Um, like within like the last minute or so that the Jags picked up their um, their second TD. The Colts were in control pretty much throughout. They weren't they weren't necessarily bothered throughout the game. They just seemed in control. Saw it through to the finish. The Colts picking up another win, and that's all they have to do. Like you say, all they have to do is just keep on picking up the dubs, and they'll be in and around the conversation. I, I reckon that. I reckon it's something they can keep on doing. I've been relatively high on the Colts, as you guys know, and everybody else at full 10 yards definitely knows. Um, yeah, it's it's just a case of just keep the train going by any means necessary. Yeah, I think it was a bit closer than you think, mate. It started 17-0 to the Colts, and it ended up at 20-17 before the Colts tagged on a late field goal. So it was a little bit closer than, uh, than you give the Jags credit for, but... Um... Yeah, not uh, not to be dismissed. Like I say, a win is a win, certainly this year in that conference. Let's go through a couple of others. Uh, where are we going to go? Let's go. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, fellas. Let- let's go for quite possibly the worst game of the weekend for all of the right reasons. The Steelers 16, the Lions 16. I had the, the pleasure of watching about the last 20 minutes of this because obviously it went to overtime. And when I say pleasure... I don't think I've ever seen a worse game of football. Two teams that just did not want to win in overtime, littered with mistakes, littered with turnovers. I think 
we turned it over at the end of the Browns drubbing, which we'll come to in a moment. But I think, Josh, didn't you say that Jared Goff was like five of 20 for about 60 yards or something ridiculous? Um, the Steelers obviously started Mason Rudolph. I mean, it's a horrible result because now we've got to keep talking about a tie. It will probably, in all likelihood, knowing the Steelers get them in the bloody postseason because that's how fortunate they'll be. Um, but, fellas, I mean, honestly, this was just an ugly, ugly game of football, wasn't it? Who wants to come in first? I I, I mean, tie, first of all, ties shouldn't be allowed. They should just shouldn't. Like, I mean, we've talked, about ways, we've talked about ways to settle games before, like kicking contests. Maybe we should be a bit more, you know, if, if you're so bad that you tie a game, maybe like the two centres have to line up at the, at the one goal goal line and run to the other goal line. It's like a hundred yard dash and see <laughs> see if one of them can make it before they have to get oxygen. Uh, you know, so something, a tie shouldn't be allowed. It's ridiculous. Asphyxiating an offensive lineman. Yeah, sure, why not? Well, it, well, that's how that's what it should be. If you're that bad that you tie a game, and and, and like you said, Sean, they both had so many chances to win it, yeah. and they just couldn't. And oh, yeah, can we talk I mean, about Detroit's kick? Can we talk about oh, that kick oh. at, in overtime? Now we have seen players having to step in for kickers before, right, and make kicks. I have seen an offensive lineman make a kick in practice better than whatever that attempt was. You saw from the run-up, the run-up was not a kicker runner. Now he's just kind of eh, at it and just like hitting her. It was like it's like when you're playing soccer as a kid and you constantly shoot with your toes. You know, and just hope it goes in the general direction that you're hoping it to go in. Um, yeah, so I think before I was rudely interrupted by my internet connection, Sean, you were asking me as to whether or not Jared Goff was like one for six, for, no, six for 20 <laughs> off 60 yards. Yeah, it was terrible. Both quarterbacks couldn't get anything going at all. They were both depending on their run games, and even they were poor. Um, yeah, we talk about the fact that ties should be banned. No, ties are meant for this kind of game. No one deserved to win. <laughs> they both deserve to lose. Maybe we give them both losses. That sounds Maybe that's me. it. Maybe they both lose. Maybe that's a compromise. I'd be willing to accept that. No one gets a win. Yeah. You both lose this week. Yeah. I don't, I yeah, don't think I've ever seen even the, give the win to the public either. The public no, doesn't win either. No one wins. I don't think I've ever seen an overtime game with seven possessions. Seven possessions seven. in overtime, Mad, isn't it? Seven. That's oh, I mean, this, this 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 is the Lions' stats from the weekend. So that the Lions had fifteen drives and they went punt, 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 touchdown, field goal, touchdown, punt, 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 missed field goal, punt, end of game. Oh my god, what an absolute absolute monstrosity! Um, yeah, all look, we've talked far too much about this game. Sixteen apiece. Awful game. Enough. <laughs> well, we could talk all night about it for the wrong reasons. Um, only thing for me, just as a very quick question, fellas, I'm not going to spend long on it. Steelers did the right thing starting Mason Rudolph, or should they have just seen what they had in Dwayne Haskins? Because I think everyone's agreed that Mason Rudolph definitely isn't the answer. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is either, but obviously he's had a change of environment. Seemed like an opportunity to at least see what they've got. I know a number of Steelers fans that were upset with it. Josh, your views on it, because we've seen Rudolph a few times. I'm going to just assume that the Steelers know what they've got in training. You know, if, if if Haskins can't beat Rudolph out in training, he doesn't deserve to step on an NFL field. Simple as. 
I mean, and, and Rudolph threw the ball 50 times. There was 30 of 50. So if, if Haskins can't get in for even just a series, you know, obviously the, the writing's on the wall, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it has been for years. Yeah, yeah, not not good. It wasn't a good week at all for the teams in the AFC North. Started off Thursday night football, the Dolphins 22, the Ravens 10. Um, I think the Dolphins just basically blitzed everybody on every play, didn't they? And it worked wonderfully well. Um, Ravens limited to 10 points, eliminated the run game, got the victory. Um, all joking aside, all of a sudden, the Dolphins are only a couple of games back from the playoff picture, which is ridiculous. To now, come on. It. Now, come on. We can't. We can't surely be talking about the Dolphins in the playoff picture. Oh, Stranger no. things have happened, my friend. Stranger he, things have happened. He, here's my question to you both. Are the Ravens found out on offense? Because, honestly, I looked at that game and I saw the same thing that I've seen in the last three or four close games with the Ravens, where you take away the run game, and you apply pressure to Lamar in the pocket, and bad things happen every time. You know, Miami were just able to see the job through. I mean, what I would say is, I think one of the one of the big reasons that this game ended at twenty two ten was um, was it Marquise Brown's fumble, the the catch that he didn't catch that then was returned for a uh, um, for a touchdown like that. And you can't really blame that on Lamar. That's not Lamar's fault. No, of course fault. you can't. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Miami found the answer in their defense, like you said, Sean. They just blitzed, 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 and they and they just gave um, they gave Baltimore absolutely no time on the ball, and it's and it worked. And then and Baltimore just didn't really have an answer. And this is I don't you don't see this very often. I mean, there's a reason they're six and three. You don't you don't see this very often from a Baltimore team that don't can't figure out. I mean, they've just released Le'Veon Bell tonight, so mm. obviously they've decided that the that that's not helping their run game. Um, but, you know, Lamar's stat line wasn't dreadful. You know, 26 of 43, 238 yards, one touchdown, one interception. You know, it wasn't awful by any stretch. But, yeah, I think you've got a point. I think that, they, you know, the, they, aren't, uh, they aren't the best offense in the league. Certainly not. But I think, was this perhaps just a bad day at the office against a defensive scheme that just really worked? Sometimes you get games where teams' defenses just have an absolute stormer. And I think this was perhaps that. But, no, we'll see. We'll, if if this continues to happen, then then we'll see. The, the Ravens, you shouldn't be winning many more games this season. But Miami played the Jets next week, so <laughs> if they can't win that game, then they certainly ain't going to the playoffs. <laughs> nah, that's a guy that's got free free tie written all over it. <laughs> I think I think just to answer your question, Josh, I think there's a blueprint to beat the Ravens. However, not every defense has got the players to run that scheme. Um, that's fair. Yeah. We'll wait and see um, how many others they come up against that could potentially shut them down. And I said it was a bad week for the AFC North. We'll finish off this little section, fellas, with the Browns absolutely walked by the Patriots. Evening to Kieran, who's just texted us to say he's tuned in specifically to watch me and Josh talk about this game. Kieran, obviously a resident Patriots fan who wakes you up every Monday morning with the first view of the NFL Sunday Look, it was an absolute beating. Um, we could talk about it forever. We're not going to, because quite frankly, I don't want to depress myself too much. Um, but outside of the opening six minutes where the Browns looked very good, they ran the ball very well. It was then 54 minutes of being completely outplayed, outcoached, outthought, outfought, and quite frankly, absolutely battered and deservedly so. Anything to add, Josh? 
Uh, well, you've uh, kind of taken the 10-minute vitriol that I uh, produced on Sunday night and then refined this morning and <laughs> took it into a 10-second prose. Now, um, I talk almost every week about how much I think that Bill Belichick changes games, and he definitely did so here. He knew that we didn't have much of a running game, and Kevin Stefanski made damn sure that we didn't after he decided not to run pretty much at all for the rest of the first half. As soon as you do that, what does Bill Belichick do? He adjusts. He makes sure that everyone is at least single covered, if not double covered, with a man zone, which I really like when you when you don't have a running attack, put them in man zone, and then rush four constantly at Baker, maybe five every now and then. And it worked. I, I've looked at the I've looked at the film, I've looked at the all twenty-two. And I'm sorry, but I don't see many open receivers whatsoever at all. You know, we Brown's Twitter's blowing up about Baker at the moment. No, Patriots' defense was just awesome. Absolutely awesome. I, I can barely find windows, let alone open receivers. And for me, it was just the fact that we did not trust Ernest Johnson. When he got the ball in the second half, he did show that he could do it. But then you argue, is it garbage time? But no, hats off to the Patriots on both sides of the ball. Matt Jones was fantastic. You know, he just made everything happen on his side of the ball. Our defense wasn't exactly great. I think three or four guys on each play could be said to have just been walking rather than running. But, you know, you play what you've got in front of you. And I actually think that the Patriots are a top 10 team now. Yeah, and Steve, let's let's throw it over to you. Like I so said, we could we could badmouth the Browns all day. I think that there's more credit deserving here for the Patriots in this performance. I said last week I had them. I think ranked as like the fifth team in when we did our playoff predictions. I think Buffalo will probably take care of that division. But this was an impressive performance. Mac Jones was fantastic. You know, some really really good throws. Ramondre Stevenson, who you know passed the COVID concussion protocol. I believe on the Friday, ran like an absolute monster. He sought out contact. He ran through people. Um, Jacoby Myers, obviously, eventually getting in the end zone after, what was it, 151 receptions or whatever it was. Um, obviously, a good moment for him um, on a pretty scary injury play, but obviously a good moment for him. But Hunter Henry, um, you know, they paid big money for two tight ends in the summer. Hunter Henry certainly seems to be repaying it, doesn't he? Um, this is a pretty good... New England Patriots team that is certainly getting better as the year goes on, wouldn't you say? I think it's taken a little while for some of these players to gel. Um, but I think you now have to acknowledge a few things. First of all, this Patriots team is very good. Um, they are no longer a W on the column of, of the schedule when you go to visit them. They are they are an accomplished team. Two, I think it's time to accept that Mac Jones is the best rookie quarterback from last year's class because yep. he is playing exceptional football right now. He was the highest uh, rated passer rating of all the quarterbacks who started week 10. He had the highest passer rating. That's astonishing. You know, he's, he's playing such good football and it just shows how... How, it, how much it benefits a rookie to step into a scheme where there's a head coach that's been in play for, for so many years and has done this so many times and knows how to institute things. And it's taken a little bit of time, but players like, you know, like you say, Hunter Henry starting to repair things. Mac Jones obviously starting to repair. But I would also give um, 
uh, big props to Judon on the defense. He mm. is lighting up the defense at the moment, and he is he is uh, eating up offenses. And that hit on Baker Mayfield, oh, 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 oh boy, um, you know he is he is a he's, he's a real talent. And I know they spent a lot of money on in free agency, and that's very unpatriots like of them. And I think we were all critical of it. You know, that when you spend a lot of money, it doesn't always work. But some of these players are really repaying that. Um, and I think this Patriots team, yeah, I think that I'd probably have them in the FC playoff picture somewhere. I don't know where. I don't think they'll win the division because, like you said, I think the Bills will do that. But I think they'll definitely be fifth or sixth. Um, and I think they could certainly go far. I would just sit quickly on the on the Cleveland side of things. I said off air that you know last week felt like a sort of a season starts here moment, and and a sort of chance to move from here. You were plus five hundred and, and a chance to sort of make a claim to to win that division, and then all of a sudden everything comes crashing down. Um, questions are being asked left, right, and centre of the roster. Is the is the defensive is the defense good enough? Is the defensive coordinator good enough? Is Baker good enough? Like there's just so many questions, and I think. Uh, we said earlier that realistically for this Cleveland team to make the playoffs, they have to win five more games. And if you look at their schedule coming up, I just don't know where those next five wins come from. I just don't. Um, I think you'd need to beat the Ravens twice. And right now with this defense, the way it's playing, I just don't see that happening. So tough times out in Cleveland. It, it'd be, it's strange to see them go from the worst to first almost. And then all of a sudden have this like middling season where they're not really anything. It's sort of strange. I sort of expected Cleveland to be there in the conversation at the end, but it just adds to the chaos that is this NFL season. Browns fans can't have nice things, my friend. We can't have nice things. <laughs> no, uh, we can't. We'll... <laughs> uh, a few more games to wrap up, fellas. The Vikings, 27. The Chargers, 20. Um, big win for the Vikings. They sort of still fishing around in that sort of playoff hunt. Uh, disappointing one from the Chargers perspective. Um, seems to have gone really quite quiet from a Chargers perspective. Um Josh, obviously both of these teams, like I say, still very much sort of fighting in the playoff areas. Um, Like I say, though, it's been a bit of a dip the last few weeks for the Chargers, hasn't it? It has. um, And to be honest with you, I can't really put my fingers to what's the main issue. Because, you know, whenever I tune over, you know, the offense seems to be able to move the ball. They They just can't put the points on the same way that they were at the start of the season. Then again, at the you know the first few weeks, I did say that you know at some point these fourth downs aren't going to work out, or they're going to have to change their approach. They're not going to be able to get forty points a week. It's just not sustainable. Turns out it's not sustainable. Um, big props to the Vikings though, because they've been in so many of these close games with good teams, and it's good to see them actually turn one into a dub. Um, I do feel like they deserve it. They are probably the uh, they're probably the best four and five team going. I think they're four and five. Um, you know they are they are definitely a really good four and five. Um, you know it, it it is now a coin flip. But then again, though, like I said to you, chaps, at the start of today's show, anywhere between eighth and like twentieth, anyone can beat anyone at the moment. It's it's one of those where I'm not surprised by the result, and the Chargers actually did all right. They just they just got beat. 
I think this is showing that the, this this year is just a, a season too early for the Chargers. I think we're finding out that that offense perhaps isn't quite as good as we all thought it was. Um, and I think they're just they they're missing a couple of pieces. They need to get better in the red zone, like you said, Josh. They need to start putting points. They need to start you know finishing drives and putting points on the board and just you know killing teams off. And you can't if you if you want to be making the playoffs, you can't be losing against teams like the Vikings. With all respect to the Vikings, you know they go into this game um, three and five. The you know the Chargers can't really be losing that game. But what I will say is on your point about the Vikings being the best four and five team, the eighth and ninth seed in the NFC at the moment is currently the Vikings and the 49ers. Which one has the best chance of making the playoffs? Uh, I'd need to see their schedules. But if you're asking me who's better, the Vikings or the 49ers, in my power rankings, I've got the Vikings 17th and the 49ers 18th. So... <laughs> well, they play each other in a couple of weeks' time. So big no, game there. what a ding-dong. What a ding-dong yeah. that will be. Brilliant. Yeah. I would guess without lucky that the Vikings schedule will be easier because of obviously the division that they're in. Obviously, the 49ers are still going to have some tough games to play in the West. So I would guess from that perspective, I think I had the Vikings in last week, didn't I? So, you know, based on the fact that they've won this week, I'm not going to change my mind on that. Um, do you still have com- to play the, play the Packers twice, though, the Vikings? <laughs> yeah, pack, Packers will be in by then. So, and uh, the 49ers have a guaranteed win against the Rams as well still to have. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Bounce back game for Justin Jefferson as well. Nine for 143 after going a combined five for 90 over the last two weeks. So good to see him back to uh, some of his rookie form. What games have we got left, fellas? Let's go. Washington 29, the Bucks 19. Mentioned it earlier. Um, Got to go down as one of the biggest surprises of the week. Um, One of the biggest surprises to me was just watching the coverage and when they said, this is a rematch of the playoffs from last year. And you think, God almighty. I forgot completely all about that. But yeah, it was a playoff rematch. But Washington come out on the right side of it this time, 29 to 19. Steve, you sort of jokingly said last week, nothing would surprise me. Surely this surprised you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you saw the... The football team go up. I think at one point they were 16-6 up. And you sort of thought, oh, it's all right. It's all right. The, the Bucks will bring this back. This is the Bucks. It's Tom Brady. You you put the ball in his hands with two minutes left to go. And there's no one else in the history of the NFL that you'd rather have throwing the ball down the field. And they just didn't. They just couldn't get it done. And especially impressive as well, considering that, that Washington lost um, Chase Young, which is really sad, by the way, that he's torn his ACL. So he's going to be out for, for some time, probably to, to sort of, might make the start of next season um but he's such a talent it's a real shame to see guys like that go down um but and i think montez sweat might have left the game as well so like really really impressive to see that the defense could get it done without those two guys the two sort of main pass rushers but this washington defense that we all sort of have been saying for so long like it's not the defense that we all thought it was maybe this week it was and they finally pull out a win so i think what i will certainly say on the broader topic of washington the nfc east is definitely not as bad as it's been in recent years you know every every team outside of dallas has won at least three games which you would not have been seeing (laughs) over the last couple of years so i'd say the nfc east is definitely making improvements uh you know fleetingly you might say but um yeah impressive win for washington i still don't think they do much from here i think this might have just been a flash in a pan but what was rare is this is a loss for bruce arians off a bye which i, yeah. I don't know if he's ever done or he's he, he's got an incredible record week after a bye um and he doesn't he usually makes a, a point of winning after the bye because you've got that fresh legs and fresh motivation but he lost so yeah big surprise in, in tampa yeah, Josh, I'm going to bring you in in a minute, but just on Steve's point about you put the ball in Brady's hands and he's going to complete the comeback. This is the fourth quarter. So it starts off with a Tampa Bay punt 
and then it ends up with Washington um, fumbling the ball away after four plays. Brady then in three plays finds Mike Evans for 40 yards. 10 minutes 55 left in the game after that. The next Washington drive takes 10 minutes and 26 seconds off the clock. I mean, it's the longest drive recorded this season. It was 19 plays in duration. They converted a third and two with a three-yard Heineke scramble. They then converted a third and one with an Antonio Gibson two-yard run. They completed a third and four with a Heineke pass to Adam Humphreys. They completed a third and five with a Heineke pass for six yards to Taylor Heineke. And when they got all the way down to the goal line, they converted a fourth and one with an Antonio Gibson touchdown and then an absolutely brilliant coaching decision to kneel on the two-point conversion just to take any drama out of the equation. Tom Brady never actually got the ball in the fourth quarter outside of a 40-yard pass to Mike Evans. I mean, look, you're not going to do that every week, but what a drive to ice a game. It really was. And it's the perfect drive. You know, we we hear of we, we hear of great drives down the field that drain clock. That's a clock drainer. You know, that that's the goal. Ten minutes. Take it to third down and short every damn time and convert. And then keep hammering it with two yard and three yard gains just to drain as many forty seconds off the clock as you can and then convert it at the end. That's the main point. It, I, I tuned in at, at the start of that drive because I'd just gotten very annoyed at Cleveland by that point, so I could. And, yeah. you know, you're watching it and you're thinking, any second now, Tom Brady's going to get the ball here and he's going to start this comeback. And then as they got past the halfway mark, it was very much a case of, they're actually going to do this. They're, they're going to get down and they're going to actually have iced this game. Um, but to a broader point, Washington knew the assignment today. It was score early and often. They complete. They scored off their first four drives, uh, which is the first time that they've done that since 2016. It was the first time that they did that. They pressured Brady into making quick decisions and bad passes of which caused the early interceptions, and they just converted the points off that. That's what you have to do against a team like Tampa, a team like Kansas, a team like Baltimore. You know, you have to put points on the board quickly and run up the scoreboard. Washington didn't run up the scoreboard as much as other teams would have, but, you know, they, they got the job done, and that, that last drive was worth two touchdowns. Yeah, absolute gold dust, really was. Um, impressive win. Um, and obviously back to the drawing board for the Bucks. Um, Team that is showing the most consistency at the moment, the Tennessee Titans continue their winning streak, 23-21 over the Saints. Uh, good matchup, tight matchup. Um, the Saints playing plenty of teams close, but again, just failing to get over the hump on this one. Um, we questioned whether the Titans had survived the Derrick Henry loss. Um, that's two wins in a row, Steve. Um, certainly looking like the team to beat in the AFC. Yeah, they've won six in a row, I think, since, and uh, I think five of those have been without him. So, or, or certainly quite a few. Um, 
they just they just look like a the, the team to beat, and it's strange how they started the season. I think they went two and two to start the season, um, and I think we were all sort of saying, oh, they've lost a lot of pieces on defense. That I think they lost their starting two corners, um, you know, and you start to think, well, you know, is this just a return to sort of normality and mediocrity for the Titans? But no, they've turned it around. I think massive props to Mike Vrabel. He's doing a terrific job in Tennessee. Um, Ryan Tannehill looks an absolute transformation from the, the quarterback they picked up from Miami, and what a deal that's been. Um, and yeah, this team is just is just making things work, and you know, no no one really stood out too much in this win. They just played good football, and I think that is the story of. And you look across the uh, across the league to the NFC and see how the Green Bay are winning games. The Titans are doing the same thing. I think this season is not about big flashy wins. It's not about putting forty five points up and and you know and blowing out teams because those teams that are doing that have proven that they also have games where they just can't score. What these teams, the Titans and specifically the backers are doing is just winning games you know effectively and efficiently you know not not blow out performances but at the end of the day like we've like i've I've said for several weeks a win's a win no if it's a if it's a notch in the win column it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you get it it's a win and this titans team at eight and two um they look i think they look head and shoulders above anyone else in the afc at the moment i don't think anyone else is going to catch them um uh, Saints team put up a bit of a, a bit of a fight, but I think this was always going to be a Titans win. Um, you know, the Saints, you know, they threatened towards the end, but they just couldn't quite get it done. And this this Titans team, you look at their schedule; they've got you know the Texans next week. They should win that game. Tough game at Gillette. I think that's going to be a real interesting game, especially the way the Patriots are playing right now. But then they've got Jaguars, Steelers, Niners, Dolphins, Texans. You'd think that this Titans team should win every single one of those games. So I think there's definitely a path for this Titans team to finish 14 and three, if not 15 and two, um, which would be a hell of a form to take into the playoffs. If they can, obviously by you know by the game at the Texans, they might be resting players and lose that game. But if they can take a winning streak of 10 plus games into the playoffs, we've all seen we've all seen how momentum can shift. Um, this Titans team are an absolute juggernaut right now. I'm just going to go bat for Dave Moore for a second. I think that the Saints were more than in this. I thought they were the better team throughout the game. And um, realistically, if it weren't for the botching of an extra point, they would have um, probably had been favoured to have to have actually gone on and won this game. If you just look at the stats alone, you know, New Orleans were um, head and shoulders above in total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, average yards of play. Um, the only turnover was a fumble was a fumble lost, and yet there were still only two extra points away from tying up the game. Um, Trevor Simeon, I thought, had an excellent game, considering 19 from 34 for 298 yards and two touchdowns. They didn't really have much of a running game, um, but yet still, you know, matched up to the Titans. You know, this this Saints team is a beaten down team when you actually look at it on paper. And they are really, you know, squaring up against top teams right now. But I don't know if this is a case of the Titans were lucky to get out with a win or whether the Saints put up the fight. It's one or the other, potentially both. Um, but I don't think that as a Titans fan, you would have come away, you know, beaming on Sunday night. I think he'd been there going, oh, God, thank God for that. 
Yeah, and look, I think the Titans will be quite happy if they can get through the next few weeks until Derrick Henry comes back. As Steve said, a win's a win. You know, they'll, they'll take it. We said this was probably the toughest game left on the schedule. They've got through it. It's another one ticked off. I think the Saints lost it by going for the 20-yard field goal on fourth and one from the one-yard line. I know me and Josh have very different opinions on fourth down, but I don't understand why you would kick a field goal then knowing that you're going to have to get a two-pointer from the two-yard line on a further possession when you're on the one-yard line and that potentially is worth four more points as opposed to one bonus point in that equation. Um, for me, it was a very unsure Peyton-like move. Um, you know, if, if they hadn't have got it, then Tennessee is starting on the one-yard line and you would back your defence to then get you the ball back in good position. So, you know, for me, they should have been more aggressive there. Um, you know, that could have obviously changed things dramatically. Obviously, doesn't help when you then full start on the two-point attempt and it gets pushed back to the seven-yard line. But again, <laughs> you have to sometimes factor these things in. Final game of the week, fellas, as we're approaching the hour mark on the review pod, the... Kansas City Chiefs, have they finally arrived? 41-14 over the Raiders. Uh, I'll, I'll confess, boys, I have watched hardly none of it. I've read all the superlatives, though. It sounds very much like Patrick Mahomes' best game of the year. I know he's got Sean's offensive game ball of the week on the full10yards.com. Go and check out Sean's excellent article. You know, but you can see from his stat line, five touchdowns, 406 yards. Feels very much more like a Chiefs performance, Josh. To be honest with you, you could just stop it there. Mahomes, 406 yards, five touchdowns. That was the game, really. Raiders had no chance. This was a revenge game. Uh, this was a I'm actually still a good quarterback game. They were never in it. They were never in it. Kansas just had fun. Mahomes had fun. That There's no rushing to tell of, really. You know, it was kind of passed around a few. It was the Mahomes and Kelsey show. Kelsey, 119 yards after eight, set eight receptions. This is this is the Chiefs team. This is this is what they do week in week out. Just whether or not they can they can keep it going. And if they play like they did on Sunday night, yeah, why not? You just said there, mate. There was no rushing to talk about. Steve, let's talk about the other side of the ball. We've 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 said this Kansas defense has been much maligned. It's took a lot of the blame for some of the issues that I think, to be fair, have, have been more on the offensive side of the ball, certainly in recent weeks. But the defense has had its fair share of criticism. From the Raiders' perspective, leading rusher was Derek Carr with 18 yards. Josh Jacobs. What has happened to Josh Jacobs? He was a player that people thought was going to take the league by storm this time 18 months ago. And he's been absolutely pedestrian. Seven attempts for 16 yards. Kenyon Drake, four for 16. Nothing at all going on the ground for the Raiders. Um, and Derek Carr, a reasonable stat line. But like you say, just always playing from behind. This is why you don't take running backs in the first round. Because you can pick them up in the fifth round and they can have just as much impact. Do I need to bang my drums together anymore? Um, yeah, I mean, look, Josh summed up quite well. This Raiders team never really got going. Um, this was a, a, a statement performance from probably from the 2019 sort of chief season that you would expect from that sort of team. And and they just looked so effective. This... this um, Vegas defense couldn't stop anything, and when the Chiefs are, are playing like they were, you you don't expect them to. You know that they, they were so dominant. Um, you know that this chief, the, if Chiefs, if the Chiefs play like that every week, that's why people pick them to win the Super Bowl because they were just excellent. And I think what when perhaps we're guilty of certainly me guilty of being a bit hyperbolic about the Chiefs over the last few weeks, and maybe it was just a case of Mahomes having a few off weeks, and you know he's allowed to when his ceiling's that high. 
Um, but this was a statement win. And all of a sudden, we were talking about, um, you know, the playoff picture and how crazy it all is. The Chiefs recently were as low as, what was it, like 11th, I think they were. They're now fourth in the in the um, AFC rankings uh, and, and leading that division. So all of a sudden, the Chiefs are back in the conversation and they're six and four. You know, those, those sub 500 days along behind them. And you'd imagine that they'd probably go on to, to at least be 11 or 12 wins. So, yeah, um, what were we all worried about? I, know. I can't believe some idiot on this podcast didn't even have him in the playoffs last week. We'll have to get, rid of, him from the, we'll have to get, rid, we'll have to get rid of him from the panel. Um, I've mentioned it briefly. Sean's Game Ball article up as always, full10yards.com. Check out the excellent work that Sean puts in week in and week out. Particularly liked his call for play of the week. The play that never was. We never mentioned it, fellas, because obviously it was a long time ago now. But yeah, Robert Hunt, what an absolute legend of a man you are. Um yeah, full-length dive from an offensive lineman. Very amusing if you haven't checked it out. Go and read the article, read all about it, and uh, certainly get a view of that clip on Twitter or Game Pass or wherever you can get one from. We will be back later on in the week to discuss all things week 10. Uh, week 11. We've discussed week yeah, 10. Week we'll, 11. Try, we'll, we'll try and figure out week 11. I'll give you a spoiler now. We won't get any of it right, but we'll do our best. We'll have a look at what's going up and we'll get you set for the week. Check out Josh's power rankings tomorrow. Until later on in the week, thanks ever so much for listening, as always, to the Full 10 Yards podcast. Tell your friends that they're missing out if they're not listening, and we will catch you all again later on in the week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.